summer is a great time to catch a movie and some popcorn. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In our series, Summer Blockbusters, we will be taking a look at four of this summer's hottest movies. Each week, we will uncover biblical truths that can be talked about and used to help strengthen us in all our lives and all we do. Join us as we have some fun connecting the big screen with God's Word. I know, you guys are like, can we watch the rest of the movie other than listen? No. Hey, I want to welcome everybody and all those of you online, welcome. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? And can we just say thank you, Jesus, for air conditioning? Oh my gosh, yeah, we take these things for granted, but we've got brothers and sisters all over the world that are worshiping out in heat like that, and, and praise God for, for them, and, and, and they're doing that, but I, I am grateful for, I'm grateful for air conditioning today. So today we conclude a series that we've called Summer Blockbusters, and this is kind of a bonus one. I do know, I do know this is a movie from 1998, it didn't come out this summer like all the rest of them did. And I do know that it didn't come out in summer. It actually came out on Christmas Day. But I'm in charge. So I wanted to add another one uh, to our series. And this, uh, like every movie that we've talked about, um, I'm not saying they're bad or good. I just haven't promoted them. But this movie is definitely one that I would highly recommend. But you'd also have to have a box of Kleenex, right? So raise your hand if you've seen the movie. Patch Adams. All right. So I, I want to start off and, and let you know that what we've done with each movie is take biblical principles that are played throughout that movie and apply them to our life. And so that's what we're going to do today. And today, literally, there's just two of them. But um, I'm just going to shoot straight. I could barely make it through one first service. So we're going we're gonna to go because I think both points are really important for where we're at today. So I want to read to you uh, just kind of a little statement about the movie. It's about, uh, Patch Adams, is about a man on the verge of suicide. His name is Hunter Patch Adams. That character is played by Robin Williams. Uh, he checks himself into a psychiatric hospital. And what he sees there would change his life forever. What he sees there would change his life forever. So let's pray, and then we're just going to jump right into this. Lord, um, thank you for, again, air conditioning. Thank you for each person that's here. And God, thank you for your word where we could grab uh, hope from it, Lord. And I do pray that each one here today's hope level will go up. And Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we pray that it would continue to work amongst this place and in our hearts. In Jesus' name. All God's people said. All right, well, you're going to get a little bit more. So I want to show you my favorite scene, and then we're going to talk. May I come in? If you bend your medial collateral ligaments, place one talus in front of another, I don't see where you'd have a problem. Of course, if there were a news story covering this event, the headline might read, Small Brain Enters Room. Fingers. What's the answer? Oh, you're another one of those bright young fellows who always know the right answer. That, uh, welcome to real life.
How many do you see? There are four fingers, aren't there? No, no, no. Look at me. What? You're focusing on the problem. If you focus on the problem, you can't see the solution. Never focus on the problem. Look at me. How many do you see? Look beyond the fingers. How many do you see? Eight. Eight. <laughs> Eight. Yes, yes. Eight's a good answer. Yes. See what no one else sees. See what everyone else chooses not to see. Out of fear, conformity, laziness. See the whole world anew each day. Well, the truth is, you're well on the way. You didn't see something here besides a crazy, bitter old man. You wouldn't have come in the first place. What do you see when you look at me, Arthur? You fixed my cup. I'll see you around. Two men in a psychiatric hospital, two patients having this conversation is what we just saw. And the first point that is a biblical point, the biblical point, probably the point of life. Write this down on your heart, write it down on a piece of paper, put it in your phone. Number one, focus on him. Focus on him. You're like, Pastor, where do you get that? Well, the character Arthur, who also is a patient, says this, if you focus on the problem, you will never see the solution. Did you catch that? If you focus on the problem, you will never see the solution. And that's true for us today in 2022, isn't it? Where we allow our mind to go dictates where our life goes. And I'm a big proponent of this. When we read God's word, we learn that our God is a gracious, loving God that chose to give us free will. Did you know that? You and I choose what we focus on. Would you agree that there's some problems in the world? Would you agree that maybe there's some problems in your world? Oh, now it got quiet. (laughs) But the truth is, let me just let everyone relax. We all got stuff going on, don't we? A to Z, some, some that's real, and check this out, some that's perceived. Some that's real, and some that's perceived or made up. But nonetheless, we still have problems, and we can control Listen to this. We can't control what we focus on. I want to hear an amen if you believe that. Oh, well, I hope that amen gets a little bit stronger. But we do. We do have control on what we get to focus on. God gave us free will. Nobody made you do it. And we want to place blame on everybody else, but we have control. 
because God has given us free will of what we're going to do with our minds. And I want to tell you, in my study, I did one of those squirrel, you know, I'm studying for the sermon, but then I got to this point and I just went on a, a rabbit trail, you know, and the trail was this. I wanted to know how powerful the mind is. Now, some of you have gone to school for this and you could, you could come up here and share all kinds of crazy good information about how powerful our mind is. And so, yeah, I went there and I remember some of my psychology classes and, and even biology class, all the science and stuff. But the truth is, if you didn't know it, our mind is crazy powerful. Our mind is crazy powerful. So what we choose to focus on has a lot to how we're going to live life. Would you agree with that? So, so uh, uh, Arthur, the character with uh, Robin Williams, said this. If you focus on the problem, you will never see the solution. And then he went on to say, see what nobody else sees. And I want to tell you, as Christ followers, this is where we need to hang our hats. We have the ability to see what nobody else sees. We have the ability to see what the president doesn't see. We have the ability to see what, what any pastor that can't see. We have the ability to see what CNN or, or, or Fox News or, or Time Magazine can't see. We have this amazing ability when we focus on God to be a part of some things that we never thought we could be a part of. And all God's people said, we control what we focus in on. Our mind is powerful. And like I said, I did a lot of study, and I'm not going to give you that information other than to say our mind is powerful. But I do want to give you one quote uh, from a lady named Deb Peterson. She says, your mind is a very powerful thing, and most of us take it for granted. We believe we aren't in control of what we think because our thoughts seem to fly in and out all day long. But you are in control of your thoughts and you become what you think. The power of the mind is crazy. So what are you focusing in on? And I made this, I wrote this, this down. I, I said what we focus on tends to get bigger and bigger in our mind's eye. Do you, do you agree with that? What we focus on tends to get bigger and bigger in our mind's eye. So like, like if I've got issues with my foot and the pain in there and that's all I focus in on, that dictates my day, doesn't it? You know what I'm talking about. Or if you've got a financial bill that you've got to take care of or a relationship. Thing. And again, I'm not saying these things are minimal. I'm not, I'm not saying these things aren't a big deal. You know? But sometimes we make something a bigger deal than it really ought to be. And then, and, then, and then we're so stinking creative, we just add stuff to the story, right? And, and especially with relationships, and we make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're like, whoa, 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 time out. Let's go all the way back to here. Yes, this statement was said. That was not probably a good thing. But now we've got like this whole division happening. Does that happen in your world? And so I think what we focus on, on becomes bigger and bigger. So what I'm saying is, focus in on him, he gets bigger and bigger. Not that he needs to get bigger and bigger, according to us, he is bigger, but he gets bigger and bigger in our mind, in our heart. We see God like we need to see him. But when we focus in on the problem, we're giving all the attention and all the power to that, and that becomes our God, and God's over here going, hello. He's probably got a deeper voice than that. That was weird. I was thinking about scripture. I'm like, where, where does this play out? And, and I have to bring you to the Sea of Galilee, okay? 
So we fly on a plane and then we land there in Israel and then we make our way uh, on the dirt roads and we find ourselves at the Sea of Galilee. I, I, I had the privilege of going there. And, and here's what you may not know. We were going to go there as a church. Anyone? You know, first 40, I think it was. But then COVID happened. So um, we're going to get that back on the books and get a date. But I'd love to take, you know, probably about 40 of you out that way. But it was awesome because it allowed me to read the Bible different. Boy, when you've been there, done there, the smell, taste, all of it. So I remember the Sea of Galilee. When I got to go, and my wife was with me, and we were with other pastors and their wives, um, they put you on this boat, and it happened to be around 4.30. And so it was just the sun was just kind of just starting to go down a little bit. The sea was just like glass. And I remember uh, the gentleman say, you know, just over there is the mountainside, and that's probably where Jesus fed the 5,000. So if you could picture that in your mind's eye, Jesus has just fed the 5,000 before we're going to read what we're going to read. Can you imagine, you know, some of you fed four people and it takes everything you got. Some of you, it's just feeding yourself, right? Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children, probably over 10,000. And he taught, and now we're going to read what happened. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And again, we're remembering this whole idea of focus on him. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Let's not just run by that. Jesus is walking on the lake. This is weird. They didn't have the Bible in their hands like we do, and we've heard that story over and over again. This was in real time. Jesus was walking on the lake. That's crazy. When the disciples, when the disciples uh, saw him walking on the lake, they were what? They're terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, what? Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. Of course it's Peter that replies, right? I mean, Peter, what, act and then think. You don't have anyone in your life like that, do you? Or are you that person? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus is like, I wasn't thinking about this, but good idea, Peter, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked, Peter walked on the water. But when, but when, but when he saw the wind, he was what? He was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, Save me. Pastor, what are you talking about? What does this have to do with your first point? Focus on him. Well, you look like a sharp crowd. You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, here's Peter. He has an invitation to step out of the boat onto water. It would be as crazy as me, crazier than me to just step right here and think that I'm just going to walk right over there to the faucets, right? Yeah, just kind of walk on air, right? I'm going to walk right over here, you know, to the Ramirez. Like, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? You guys want to see it? I don't want to try it. 
because God, Jesus hasn't called me, you did, and you guys are different than him. But I mean, isn't it, the truth is, isn't it that crazy? Peter gets out there, he puts his foot down, and the Bible says he's looking where? You can say it in church. Jesus, you can say it at home. All right, all right, Jesus. His focus is where? His focus is on Jesus. And when he's focused on Jesus, he's walking on water. And then all of a sudden, there's this distraction, and there's this wind, and all of a sudden, Peter begins to sink. Why? Because what we just read, the Bible tells us he was focused on fear. So here's a simple equation that, that I draw from this. When you focus on Jesus, you walk on water. When you focus on fear, you sink. It's that simple, isn't it? And you're like, okay, that's 2,000, that's 2000 years ago, but it's still true for us today. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, our church is growing. It's been crazy the last three months. It's been exciting. You're not supposed to grow during the, during the summer. Our church has been growing during the summer. More baptisms last week. More people joined the church. We've got visitors every week. I'm, I'm talking 20 to 30 that are actually filling out stuff. It's, it's been amazing. But with that, I'm going to tell you, this has probably been one of the hardest weeks in ministry for me in 30 years. In 30 years. There's, it's just the stuff that is going on in some of our brothers and sisters' life is heartbreaking. And that's just the stuff I know. I can't imagine the stuff that's going on at home and in this room here. The, the, the truth is, let's just be honest, life is hard. It's also good, right? But when you hold on to all of this stuff, I am, when I'm preaching today, I am begging uh, it's not cute to fill 30, 35 minutes. It's truth, you guys. We need to focus on him. Even when life is good, we got to keep focused. When Peter was walking on the water, he could have walked from one side to the other if he would have just kept focusing on Jesus, amen? And so why is it that we allow the distractions of this world to cause us to take our focus off of him and we begin to drown and sink? And the truth is, some of us are living above water right now and some of us are sinking. And I want this as my prayer and our prayer. I want everyone walking on water when we leave. And if you've been sinking, that's just real and that's, that's reality, but we don't have to be sinking. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. And as I've told you, you don't know what I'm going through. And all I can say is I got to keep my head above water. And to keep my head above water, I got to look at him. And when I'm looking at him, I'm above water. When I choose to look at the wind around me, I'm going to sink and I'm going to be paralyzed by fear. That's just truth. That's because the mind is so powerful, but I don't, I just don't, I can't do it. I know you can't, but you and him can. All you have to do is go like this. That's all you have to do. And maybe all you have to do is look down and just throw the words up to him. It, it, you, that's what we have to do. And I can't want it more than you, and you can't want it more than me for me. But I'm tired of seeing people drowning, aren't you? Aren't you? 
And the answer is to focus on him because he loves us. I, during first service, we were singing, and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to go back there and write this down because I'm getting older and I forget real quick, as if you guys didn't know that. But the truth is, I, I love our worship team. And I met with Mandy uh, Penta, who, who runs that. She's our, our worship director. And I got to say, thank you, Mandy. And um, one of the things that you may or may not know, but I know because I, I know when I'm preaching, I know everything. They get all the information. You know, I give them everything for six months ahead of time. Not everything, but I give them, you know, key points and key scriptures. Our worship team doesn't just sing four or five songs. They look at all that and they pick songs that go with the message. Isn't that awesome? Pay attention to that. If you haven't figured that one out. And I'm sitting here. I mean, I wrote down these words. Listen to the words we just sang. All I see is ashes. You see the beauty. That's focus, isn't it? All I see is ashes and you see the beauty. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain move. Right? That's focus. I I see a mountain. God's like, no, I see how I'm going to move this mountain. If you are for me, who could be against me? If we had this mentality of God is so good and God is for me, then we're going to lift up our eyes to him no matter what the situation is. If just trust him, then he's going to get us through it. Amen? But the devil wants us to focus elsewhere. The devil wants us to say how evil that person is. So then we have division. And that's baloney. God is not about division. Anytime there's division in your heart about another brother or sister, just know that that's the evil one. And he's working in your life because the God I know, Jesus Christ said the one of the last prayers he prayed was, prayed was for unity, didn't he? He prayed for unity. And so again, our focus is so key to how we live life. What was G, uh, Peter focused in on? He was focused in on Jesus when he was walking. He was focused in on fear when he sank. Colossians chapter 1 says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now check this out, verse two. Set your what? Set your minds. Oh, do you mean that's in the Bible? Yes, yeah. set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Garbage in, garbage out. Young people, man, I wish I had heard that earlier in life. You get to make choices. And our choices are uh, impacted by what we think about and where we put our minds. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. The earth is crying out for our attention, isn't it? It's time for us to let this cry out for our attention and let this fill our minds. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in what? Glory. So set your minds or your focus where? Above, on Christ, not on earthly things. And then I I haven't done this. I've, I've read that passage often. I love that passage. But then the practical part is in the following verses. Like, how do we do this? How do we set our minds on the things above? And Paul says, well, let me tell you. Verse Five says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is adultery. 
Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, uh, where are we at? Slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Like, look at this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on what, church? Let's say these together. On love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, Arthur's words to Hunter were spot on. If we focus on the problem, you will never see the what? The solution. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Wherever our focus is, That's what gets our attention. And that's what drives our decisions and our life. I believe scripture teaches us that we ought to be focusing on on the problem solver, not the problem. Did you catch that? We We need to focus on the problem solver, not the problem. Because then the problem becomes our God. as the answer waits there, saying, look at me. First Peter 1.3, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. How many of us need new birth? How many of us need new focus? How many of us need this through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? I think Jonah's a good example. I'm not gonna give the whole story Uh, Jonah is called by God to go and preach the good news. Jonah pretty much says no and goes the opposite of what God wants him to do. Ends up on this boat. The guys don't even like him. They throw him into the water. The Bible says he's swallowed by a great fish. We could call it a well. And so he's got all this rebellion. He's got all this focus on himself. But what's interesting, if you read chapter 2, verse 7, you're going to see something. Jonah says this in a prayer to God. When my life was ebbing away... I remembered you, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because I just think this is an example of someone that's refocusing. Someone that knew God, someone that disobeyed and got into their own ways, but someone that said, you know what, it's time to refocus. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you find yourself sinking. Maybe you find yourself absorbed and consumed with a pain or trouble or problems. 
And maybe God has you, not maybe, God has you here today to remind you that he is the problem solver, that he is there for you, that he loves you, and that we need to focus in on him. And he has our back. I think about how many times this has been true in my life. I started to write a list in my office, and, and literally I told the first service this, I bet you I could write 100, 100 examples, and I bet you guys could all give examples where you had to refocus, and, and during a difficult situation, you turned it over to God, and it, it worked out. Sometimes it worked out better than you thought. Sometimes it worked out, and sometimes it wasn't the answer that you wanted, but God was still going to make it better. Many, many years ago, I was in Chile with a friend of mine, uh, Josh Phillips. He hadn't gone into the ministry yet. We were out there with a team. We were going to do a leadership conference, and uh, Josh and I were just driving over to the church. It was late at, not late at night, but it was nighttime. And right when we pulled into the parking spot, all the lights went out. And I was like, wow. And then we found out all the light electricity went out in the little city of Kupoi there. Well, we've got you know, 100 plus people that are waiting for this leadership conference. And Josh looked at me and was like, what are we going to do? And I, I was like, ah. And I opened up the door and I shut it and I'm standing outside and it's pitch black. And I said, Josh, I, all I know is we got to pray. And we prayed. And um, wouldn't you know, between the little walk from the car all the way to the front of the building, the lights were on. Now, here's what's comical. And you guys already know what I'm going to say. The lights and the electricity did not come on in the whole city, but just little pockets. And we were one of those pockets. You could say coincidence, and I could say problem solver. Now, here's the reality. If God didn't answer it with bringing light, it still would have been answered in a different way. Amen? But he answered in a way that I could understand. <laughs> and I think about going to Bible college. You know, I'm not going to get into that whole story, but I was called to go into the full-time ministry. I had zero money going to the Bible college. And they said, <laughs> you know, long story short, they ended up letting me in. I, by the way, needed $1,000. And you guys know this story, those of you that have been around long enough. I ended up with a $1,000 check from somebody that had no idea I needed $1,000. But that's God, because God knew, Right. And um, this was post-2022, I'll just say it that way. It was back in the day where you worked two jobs to pay for college. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, so that's what I did. But even my two jobs wouldn't have paid for it. But when I graduated, I had zero debt. I could not put all the numbers together. I have never tried to put it together. My mom one time tried to sit me down and say, let's figure this out. And I just said, God took care of it. See, I don't know what's going on in your life. And I know those might be silly examples, but God is the problem solver. And he's there for you in your life. The medical clinic in Samoa in 2019, we put $20,000 worth of medicines and, and equipment, medical equipment on a boat and shipped it to Samoa months before. And we'd done that many a times. But this particular time we showed up, the medical clinic was going to start the next day. And guess where all the supplies were? On the boat in the ocean still. And so we're like, how do you have a medical clinic without all the stuff that you need? You know what? We served over 400 patients that week, and they got all the medicine, prescription medicine, all the care that they needed. God figured it out. He is the problem solver. He is the mountain mover. Our job is to focus in on him. The second point is this. Compassion is priceless. Compassion is priceless. I love that scene, and I'm going to tell you why I love it so much. And some people don't catch this, but I'm all over it. Arthur wanted nothing to do 
with um, Patch, did he? He couldn't give a rip about Patch. Patch is trying to engage in conversation, won't even have a conversation. But do you remember? Patch Hunter at that time picks up the cup and it's dripping, the coffee. He gets a piece of tape and he fixes the cup and puts it down. No sooner than that cup landed on the table, Arthur looked up. What is it that you wanted? And they engaged in this great conversation. At the very end of the conversation, Robin Williams looks at Arthur and says, what is it that you see in me? What is it when you look at me? What is it that you see? And he looked up at him and he looked at him and he said, what? You fixed my cup. And then he went on to name him Patch. That's how he got the name Patch. Church, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Compassion is that Greek word, splachnitzomai. It's what we see when Jesus is standing on the Mount of Olives and he's looking towards Jerusalem and he sees the people and they're, they're lost like the sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says that Jesus had splachnitzomai for these people, love from the gut, because they were lost. I have a, a real question for all of us. Do you care about people? Do you care about people? And I want to say this. We've been talking about spiritual gifts and all that. This isn't a spiritual gift. All of us need to care about people. Now, I don't know if you're like me. Some people are really easy to, easy to love, and some people are really hard to love. Amen? It's easy to love people that are easy to love, and it's hard to love people that are hard to love. Are we on the same page with that? But you know what? Jesus has called us to have compassion in our hearts. And you know why, at the very least, why we need to love people and all people? Because it matters. Relationship matters. And it's not for relationship's sake. It's because we are vehicles, we are vessels of the good news. And the good news is that Jesus loved us and loves us so much that he died for us so that we could have forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Isn't that awesome? But you know who's dying to hear that? People that don't know Jesus. And people you may not like, people you may not want to hang around, people that, you know, just you'd like to keep your group close. But all of us are called to have compassion, especially for those that do not know Christ. And I could give you story after story of people, including my own story, and I bet you your own story, the only reason you're here is because someone had compassion towards you. Someone loved you enough and was patient enough and was giving enough to ask you or to invite you to church to tell their story. And I know most of you are like, well, pastor, I don't have a degree. And pastor, I don't know all the answers. I hear that all the time. And I use those examples for my own life. But I'm gonna tell you, all of us are equipped as Christ followers. Number one, because we have the Holy Spirit. So when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit does know what to say. The second thing is all of us have a testimony. Those of you that are Christians, you all have a testimony. Who you were before Christ, how you found Christ, and who you are today. That's your testimony. Nobody could argue your testimony. And then the third thing is his testimony. If you know John 3, 16, at the least, 
That's all you need to share. And now all of you are equipped. But if we don't care about people and where they're gonna end up for eternity, then we just go on doing our own thing. But when I read this book, and whether you like it or not, and whether I like it or not, this book says one thing. When we die, we're either going to heaven or we're going to hell. And I want to populate heaven. How about you? And by the way, God doesn't send people to hell just as he doesn't send people to heaven. We go back to free will. It's our choice. So I want us to continue to be a church that welcomes those that do not know Christ and to present the good news to them, amen? We as a church are doing something next week that, that's just very simple, very entry, introductory, but it's something that any one of us could do. September 11th, which in our history is not a good day, but it's next Sunday. We're going to do what we used to call Roundup Sunday, old-fashioned. Back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, our church did Roundup Sunday. And so you're encouraged to wear Western gear if you want to, and if you think that's of the devil, then you just, you know, just survive one week. Maybe we'll have, you know, Metallica Sunday the next week. No, no, we won't. But, but we're going to have some fun. But we want you to invite your neighbors and your friends and your enemies and your coworkers and give you a place where we're going to present the message as best as we can. We'll have worship just as best as we can. And then we're going to have an old-fashioned picnic. And I just looked. It's supposed to be only 80 next week. Yes. So we'll put up a bunch of canopies, or you could bring a canopy yourself, bring blankets. We're going to have a chili cook-off. We're going to have a, a, a pie bake-off. We're going to have um, moon bounces out there. We're going to have a band out there playing some good old classic music. And I mean classic rock music. But um, well, it'll just be fun. It'll be a good time to invite your friends. And so we would love to uh, extend that to you, that challenge. Compassion. Compassion. Do you have it? Do you like people? Compassion is priceless. The two things I want you walking out of here today is focus on him and compassion is priceless. There's a scene that I want to close off with where they're in the psych ward and Robin Williams' um, bunkmate is going crazy. He's just screaming and jumping all over the place. He finds out that the guy sees squirrels everywhere. If you saw the scene, instead of going, you're crazy, what are you thinking? He comes alongside of him. He throws over the bunk. He pretends he's got a machine gun, and he starts shooting all the squirrels. And the other guy's like, oh, cool, I'm going to shoot him too. And they have this fun bonding moment where they're just going crazy. And then Robin's like, all the squirrels are killed. You could go safely to the bathroom. Now, you might think this is weird to close off on, but again... What the world is dying for us to do is to have compassion, come alongside people, even as crazy as they may seem, and bring them to a place where Jesus wants to take care of them. Fill them with hope and love them. Will you be that vehicle? Father in heaven, thank you. I pray for me, I pray for us, that we would be those people that focus on you, and that we understand that compassion is priceless. Thank you for having compassion on us, despite us at times. I pray, God, that next week will be an awesome week, filled with people that never thought they'd ever be at church. In Jesus' name, amen.
you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellion.